0: lot of the different departments that run the cannabis programs are going to be the Department of Actual Public Health Services. So at that point, you know, how do we really expect that they push the initiatives forward, grow their program, and try and manage a global pandemic? I believe there'll still be about four or five opportunities. And if two or three of those pass, I mean, that's a win for cannabis. It just is.
1: All right, everyone, welcome back to another episode of the Cannabis Corona Report, where we speak to cannabis companies that are succeeding or helping other companies succeed during the global pandemic. And today, we are joined by Sarah Gullickson from Cannabis Business Advisors. Sarah, welcome to the show.
0: Thank you so much for having me.
1: Well, I'm glad to finally have you on the show. And uh, before we start, I want to tell a quick story about the first time that we met. It was about five or six years ago, and you were a speaker at our LA Cannabis Trade Show. And normally during the show, I never have time to listen to our speakers because I'm usually running around putting out fires. But that day, one of my room monitors flagged me down to tell me that your room needed more chairs. And I was like, why does this room need more chairs? So I popped my head in, and I started listening to your presentation, and I knew exactly why it was so crowded. There are a lot of so-called cannabis experts, but very few with your experience and your track record. You've helped dozens of companies get licenses. You've worked with many states and countries' policymakers. When it comes to cannabis advisors, you are definitely another at another level. So tell us what prompted you to launch your latest venture, Cannabis Business Advisors.
0: Absolutely. And thank you so much for the um, you know generous compliments. I appreciate that. I definitely take pride in the longevity that I've had in the industry and my track record of success. Obviously, if you're taking a fee from somebody, you want to do the best possible job you can do. And so our, our latest venture is really similar to my first venture. I sold my first cannabis consulting company in 2018. And after that, I had decided to dabble in the public companies. I became a CEO of a publicly traded cannabis company and really realized that my true passion lies in being able to work with multiple clients in multiple jurisdictions on multiple projects. I think I'm your your true creative where I need that kind of a challenge where I'm just working on different things. So Since I still had passion for the industry and I was able to, you know, start my latest venture, last March, I had gotten everything ready to launch a boutique cannabis consulting company where we can basically help people get licenses. And then we can also help existing operations scale or improve their operations. There's a lot of ma and pa facilities all over the United States that need that like C-suite level of help. And we can kind of fill that box for them. And then in addition to, you know, helping with some MA and and kind of matchmaking people, either people that want to buy or people that want to sell. So it's been exciting and interesting, obviously, launching a new business during COVID. You know, this is the time that people need that extra level of assistance. And it's that time that people need that. I always call it Xanax, which is probably the wrong word for it, but, you know, you're having a meltdown, you're freaking out and you can call us and we can kind of make the situation smoother or better and really service our clients in that way so that they don't have to, you know, have heart palpitations over something that we've seen 16 times and can really sort through for them.
1: You mentioned licensing and I know you've helped a lot of people get licenses before the pandemic. Can you give us an idea of where we are now? Are there still opportunities in any states to get licenses?
0: Yeah. So when we we're putting our business plan together, we're looking at you know what's coming down the pipe. So 2021 for me was positioned to probably be the biggest year in, in license applications that I'd seen thus far. And then some of the states have had to stop accepting signatures and they've stopped the whole process, which... I mean, there's so much going on and a lot of the different departments that run the cannabis programs are going to be the Department of Actual Public Health Services. So at that point, you know, how do we really expect that they push the initiatives forward, grow their program and try and manage a global pandemic? I believe there'll still be about four or five opportunities that we'll go through right now. There are currently seven. And if two or three of those pass, I mean, that's a win for cannabis. It just is.
1: One of my former guests talked about a common pre-COVID growth strategy that a lot of larger MSOs were using. They were gobbling up licenses. And now we're hearing that a lot of those same companies are overleveraged and they're selling the same licenses that they just purchased. Does this create opportunities for entrepreneurs who weren't awarded licenses to now get a license?
0: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think that there's an opportunity to both purchase those licenses that some of the multi-state operators or MSOs aren't planning on opening up. Some of the different governing bodies or departments have actually rescinded some of the licenses that were given because some of the MSOs haven't met their timeline. So the solution for that problem is actually to reopen the application process. So that's a conversation that I'm having right now to basically be able to help fill those voids as well by way of application so that the state can actually reexamine what their priorities are and select candidates based on that. You know, I think that the MSOs in the past have pulled a lot of weight And it was easy for the different jurisdictions or municipalities to sign off on the letter of support. And it was really easy for the state to sign off on their application that had scored, you know, top ranking in states previous. And now I believe that we're going to see the states kind of pull back and say, we really need to have a blend of MSOs or multi-state operators and, and either pair them with local people or you know go back to the good old days of keeping some of these companies private and local and so that we can actually build a program that we feel good about instead of something that turned into you know a way to raise capital and sift capital through different business ventures
1: well that's a great opportunity for people who didn't get awarded a license the first time around now they have a second bite at the apple the other thing that i hear a lot is that before the crisis many M&A deals fell apart because the owners believed that their company was worth a lot more than it was. With many businesses struggling because of COVID, are you seeing more M&A activity because owners are now willing to accept reasonable valuations?
0: Yes and no, but they're different deals now. I mean, they're a fraction of what they were. You know, a lot of our local people used to sell the MSOs. So if they were one of the lucky handful of people that got a license and realized it was too much headache to actually do it. They didn't know cultivation in a way that they thought they did. You know, we would present them to MSOs to say, hey, they secured this license in XYZ state. It's transferable or it's not transferable. You know, here's a match. Do you guys want to make it? And now it's happening in the reverse where they kind of got a little too crazy with purchasing assets and... (laughs) (laughs) And and getting licenses, and so now it's more of the the private companies that are buying from the public companies. If that makes sense.
1: I read that you were involved with a testing program in Arizona.
0: Yeah, absolutely. So Arizona is—I have a love-hate with Arizona. I love Arizona (laughs) because I think it is one of the best licenses to have because it's vertical. One of the reasons I have a hard time with Arizona is because it was an old program in the sense that, you know, when the rules and regulations were put together, the industry wasn't advanced enough to pull from other places to realize small things like we need testing. So our governor hasn't been super excited about marijuana ever. And so the progression of the programming and, you know, getting, you know, emergency rulemaking to happen has has been really at a standstill. So the program has not changed much since its inception 12 years ago. Well, there's some new legislation that's out that's been approved that is basically requiring all the vertically integrated facilities here to implement testing well, we've done this in 10, 15 different states. It's a little bit different adding testing into your current facility than obviously from the inception of it. And so what we did is we just put together a really, really nice compliant package that each vertical can follow, meaning cultivation, processing, and dispensing to ensure that not only their standard operating procedures are compliant with the regulations but they make sure that they check all of their other documentation to ensure that they're factoring this pretty large scale change into their actual operations so we really have been you know in the media and talking about it and advocating for this program The interest is kind of out there. And so I don't know what's going to happen. I don't know if like come October or come, you know, September when, you know, basically it's going to be implemented in November. You know, the phones are going to, you know, go crazy and blow up because people are freaking out. You know, everybody has a lot on their plate with, COVID and everything else that's going on, but the program's really easy to follow. You can hand it to your compliance person. They can implement it into the facility. And we did that so that obviously we didn't have to implement it for them in their facilities just to be conscious of COVID.
1: Well, it makes sense for anybody who's working with you or considering working with you in Arizona because you're the author of this. The state's really lucky to have one of their own to help with this project. I mean, who better to do this than someone from Arizona with your experience seeing what works and what doesn't work in other states. I'll have all of Sarah's information in the show notes and at mjbulls.com. So if you want to continue this conversation with Sarah or want to talk to her about other cannabis projects, I'm sure she'd be happy to hear from you. Sarah, it was good catching up. Thanks for being on the show today.
0: Always great chatting with you. I appreciate it.